Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is UXK. 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 I'm your host, Lee Allen Arredondo. In this episode, I talked with Cheryl Kababa. She's an executive creative director at Artifact Group Design Agency here in Seattle. Artifact has created something called the Tarot Cards of Tech, which is a product that they developed to help teams create outcomes-focused design. This is a fun product. It's uh, one of those card decks that you use as prompts in workshops, and it's meant to be playful. And we had a really fun conversation, but these cards are designed to bring up serious subjects during product strategy and design, and our conversation tracked that as well. We ran the gamut from British versus American spelling and satanic strategists to the more serious subject of design ethics and taking responsibility for the consequences of the products we create. But mostly we discussed how to use these cards within your process to think more broadly about the impact of the products and services you're creating. Thank you, Cheryl, for joining me on UXK. Sure. I'm super excited about this. (laughs) Great. So am I. (laughs) (laughs) And, okay, so I mentioned that the... I don't really know much about the tarot deck for tech. Yes. Is that what you call it? Tarot cards of tech. Tarot cards (laughs) of tech. And when in another lifetime, I actually used to read tarot cards. Are you serious? (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Well, I mean, like it was sort of, you know, for myself and like close friends, I didn't actually (laughs) charge anybody. You weren't a professional. (laughs) It's not on your LinkedIn. No, no. (laughs) In fact, I, have kind of forgotten somebody recently I mentioned this to someone else and they're like can you still read tarot can you read my tarot and I'm like no basically I don't remember anything except like the death card I remember the death card yeah which is the only card I know from real tarot cards so (laughs) that shows my level of expertise when it comes to tarot cards Well, okay, so before we dive into what it does, where did this idea even come from? So I work for a consultancy called Artifact, and lately we've been thinking about not just user experience design, so we're a user experience design, human-centered design consultancy, and we work a lot in the technology space and with emerging tech, and one of the things that we've been thinking about over the last couple of years is just the unintended consequences that have been surfacing from technology and our use of technology. Like what? Give me an example. So just everything that's been happening with Facebook, for example, with things like data privacy, just the tech industry in general and kind of things like the gig economy, the exploitive models that exist with companies like Uber. You have kind of these interesting concepts around disruption of certain spaces. So with let's say Uber and Lyft is with is how ride sharing disrupted the transportation industry and or with Airbnb how they disrupted basically what would you call that just the hotel, uh, hotel industry, industry. Mm-hmm. and hospitality. yeah hospitality and i think what they didn't anticipate were all of these 
kind of implications of what they were doing. So we now had, you know, workers striking Uber and with Airbnb, it's caused, it's linked to housing prices in cities like San Francisco. And so we started thinking about how can we kind of anticipate these potential unintended consequences? And are there tools that designers have now to ask the right questions as they're designing products or services or what have you? And this is part of kind of an overarching initiative that we have to be more outcomes focused in our design practice. And what that means is think designing from the perspective that we need to think first about the outcomes we want to achieve and then work backwards from that. So we've been working on methods in our in our own practice to address that, but this was just kind of like one project that's part of that entire sort of questioning of our design practice. Was it something like when you guys were sort of concepting it, was this something, how did you imagine implementing or, you know, like, was this something you were planning to use with clients or just internally? Yeah. So I was working on some methods for outcomes focused design, just like some frameworks that we could use in our practice, turn into things like workshops that we could use with clients and what have you with a design researcher in our practice called Jeff Trickleson. So we kind of teamed up to think about the design practice and just figure out like, what are some ways we can extend this thinking into how we do our work? And we talked to our marketing manager, Hannah Staten, about this and the two of them started thinking about just some prompts around unintended consequences. And we came back together and we're like, well, how can we make this more fun so that we can kind of use it outside of our practice? And it's also asking super just serious questions that could be read as like really negative or trying to thwart the innovation process or something. So we wanted to kind of position it as something fun and accessible and something that designers could just kind of pick up and use in their own practice without it feeling threatening. So that's when we were kind of thinking about, I think my prompt to them was, how can we do something that's like the exploding kittens of unintended consequences? (laughs) And not, you know, literally, but like, yeah, what are some ways we can make it feel accessible, even though we're asking some pretty serious questions? Oh, I love that. Yes. (laughs) So clearly, not everybody would get the exploding kittens of technology. So (laughs) you (laughs) narrowed in on something that was a little more global. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, which was funny, because when we did it, we're like, oh, are there going to be people who are are going to feel like we're, I don't know, into the occult or something like that? (laughs) And true to form... Maybe is a little (laughs) bit of a cult, but... True to form, like, somebody on Twitter, I don't know who called us Satanists, and so we're like, okay, (laughs) check that box off. (laughs) Sure, whatever. Whatever, dude. Yeah, (laughs) Twitter guy. you know, help your PR, who knows. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yay, the Satanists. (laughs) We need to bring the Satanists into our team. We need those tools. Satanist strategist. (laughs) Awesome. All right, well, let's find out a little bit more about... Mm -hmm. So I, you brought a, a deck over here, and obviously we'll post pictures and all that. And you guys have some pictures on your site at artifactgroup.com. And one thing to remember about Artifact is it's spelled the British way. So it's 
A-R-T-E-F-A-C-T. <laughs> so there you go. Artifactgroup.com. Is I didn't know there was a, an American way. Yeah, so artifact is spelled with an I in Oh, in American, American English. <laughs> yes. Really? That's so funny. That just totally so, over my head. Yeah, so word... And whatever. Just oh, it makes it really hard to always correct. Yeah, just like always auto correct, no matter what, no matter how long I've been working at this oh, company. It's so, so annoying. <laughs> All right, so we have a deck of cards here, and tell me, like, pretend that I'm a client, and you're sort of like going to explain what it is mm-hmm. and why. So we have twelve cards. They all have different themes and different characters. So we have things like the service dog and the forgotten and the scandal. And there's 12 of these. If you look at the cards on our website, we actually have them in three different categories. There's four that fit into the category of scale and disruption. There's four that fit into the category of usage. So direct user experience. And then there's four that fit into the category of equity and access. Mm. And so we think these are the most interesting overarching themes in terms of potential unintended consequences Mm -hmm. with technology products. And so we grouped them that way. And yeah, basically assigned a character to each of them and top level prompt and then three sub prompts. So the idea is that Let's say you're in the product design process or, you know, service design process or what have you. The idea is that you might use these in a workshop or during the design process to make sure you're thinking about just potential consequences that you may not have considered. Mm. During, you know, when you're like in the concepting phase? Yeah, it could be... It happens or before? It could be during the concepting phase. It could be during, as you're designing your business concept Mm. even, Mm -hmm. so, or your business strategy. Sure, yeah. So I would say it falls into whatever part of the process that feels like it would be useful to evaluate potential implications of your work. Mm -hmm. It could even be used during the future design process. And I could probably come up with some examples of that. So it depends on the best time, what you consider the best time to kind of further your thinking around things like use and scale and equity. Okay. Yeah. So let's have an, like, if you can give me an example of how something like this would be used. Yeah. With a client, right? Because you guys are using these with clients. Yeah, we're using them with clients. We've just kind of started using them as part of our toolkit. I think it kind of depends on who the client is. So Mm. for example, we had on, I think, a recent industrial design project. It might have been for like a VR headset or something. They use these in kickoff workshops to make sure that as they embarked on the design process that they were asking the right questions. So one example of what you might use, especially as an industrial designer, is we have a card called Mother Nature. And the top prompt is, if the environment was your client, how would your product change? Mm. And this kind of forces the discussion around things like sustainability and making sure that the materials you use are sustainable, or it at the very least makes you consider whether the default uh, material or what have you is right. And it might be that you're like, well, I don't know if this is something we can do now, but hopefully it kind of makes your team think a little bit further than Mm -hmm. they might otherwise. Right. Yeah. 
There are some that are really relevant to designing UX. So there are things like the backstabber, <laughs> which is, <laughs> and it's got this picture of like, I guess it would be Brutus. Yeah, Brutus, who stabbed Julius Caesar. Oh. What could cause people <laughs> to lose trust in your product? And what could make people feel unsafe or exposed? What mechanisms are in place for listening to your users? And how will you recognize larger patterns and feedback so that action can be taken? I think there are some like this one that we were thinking about the unintended consequences that are most top of mind right now with a lot of technology companies. And so this is really relevant to, for example, if you're designing for social media right now. So what could make people feel unsafe or exposed? That's something that that's a question that, for example, designers who work at Twitter could really ask themselves because of the association with toxic dialogue that that platform has. So if you were to ask yourself this question, how would it result in maybe designing things that address the problem? That's interesting because as you're talking about that, I'm thinking about how we use these words also Maybe not so literally, but we definitely use them in UX when we talk about trust and we talk about not safe. Doesn't feel, it's not necessarily, you know, like personally, like I would be attacked, but on a retail site, how do you make sure that you have your customer's trust and do you feel safe giving your information to this company? Right, right. So those are really important questions right now. Also, just things like data privacy and what have you and making sure that we design for qualities like transparency. I think a lot of these prompts get at those kinds of qualities that you want to be thinking about as designers. I think there's been this weird side effect of designers actually gaining a seat at the table at a lot of organizations and in a lot of companies is that they forget how to be user advocates sometimes Mm. because it's easier to serve the business. It's easier to get that seat at the table. If you understand the business model, you align with financial incentives and in organizations where sometimes that flies in the face of good user advocacy, the user advocacy gets a little bit forgotten. So I think it's important for just design teams to remember like what this means in terms of like, not just direct usage either. It's like, what happens to our products at scale? Like, are there potential implications that we don't think about when we're designing for the direct benefit of use? Mm. So these two, are these two different categories or three categories? Yeah, there's three categories. So Mother Nature would be under the category of scale and disruption because we know that environmental impact happens most at scale. Mm. And then the backstabber is around equity and access just because it's kind of forcing you to think about who might be vulnerable like within the spaces that we're designing. So another interesting one is the scandal, which is it kind of along those same lines of imagine you're working for a big social media company that's in the news right now. (laughs) What about your business model would concern users most is one of the prompts, which is really surfacing right now, especially as we see companies like Facebook and Google having really advertising driven business models. We realize that 
the people who we're supposed to be designing for are actually the product. Like they are sort of the data sources for the advertisers who are most benefiting from the product that we use. So I think it's kind of interesting thinking about it in the space of, you know, on this same card, the top prompt is what's the worst headline about your product you can imagine. And I know in the design practice, I've used many times, you know, tools like headlines of the future where you're working with a team. I was just thinking <laughs> yes. of Amazon, of course, the PR. <laughs> right, um, right. The writing, memo, right? Well, you're writing the PR to begin yeah. with. Like, what is our press release? after this launches. Right. So, And um, I'm sort of thinking, well, that is in the same line. So working backwards for understanding worst case scenario and then, you know, avoiding that. Right. 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 So it's like (laughs) one of the questions that I've gotten a lot from other designers as we've been talking about this is just, but, and technologists too, because I will never let technologists off the hook. They often ask like, but we can't anticipate everything. Like, aren't we stifling the design process or the innovation process or the technology process Mm. by trying to think of everything that can go wrong? Mm. And I guess my answer to that is like, but don't you want to be able to react if things go wrong? Mm -hmm. Or don't you want to be able to keep things from going wrong, especially when the stakes are so high? So, you know, if you have 100 million users, that has really different consequences than if you have 100 users. Mm -hmm. So Facebook, for example, we wouldn't even be talking about them if they only had 100,000 users. But we are talking about them because they have 2 billion users. And what that means is that the diversity of the people who are using it increases. And so thinking about the different types of groups in different countries in the global context helps them be able to anticipate things that could potentially go wrong. So yeah, I love that prompt because I think there's a certain level of optimism and working in technology where you're like, this is going to change everything. Like on Silicon Valley, there was like that, I think it was like tech crunch disrupt or something. And there was like the super cut of all of them saying like, and this is going to change the world. (laughs) And that's kind of like the typical lens in working in technology. And so it's almost, and it's not, it's can be frowned upon to sort of bring up the things that could go wrong, or maybe we need to think about, or you have to rephrase how you talk about the things that negative consequences or the the things that could go wrong in a way that is more palatable because otherwise you just kind of get shut out of the room, right? Right. You start being viewed as like the naysayer or (laughs) the person who's like the Eeyore. (laughs) And yeah, I had a client like say to me like, You can be a little black mirror about things. And I'm like, but I am actually an optimist. Like, that's why we're designing tools for designers to think about these things, because I'm actually optimistic about them making good decisions. So, yeah, it's just kind of funny. It's an interesting industry for that, because I think people are really inclined to think about just all of the good things technology can do without taking responsibility for the bad things that happen when people use it in ways that they don't anticipate. Mm, Yeah. How do the folks that you have used this with, 
How do they feel about it before, during, and after? Yeah, I think in terms of asking these questions, there is something in the zeitgeist right now in which technologists are kind of craving a way to not be bad people in the news. (laughs) (laughs) We're just making technology. We're just doing our jobs, you guys. And so... It's kind of a welcome change for them Mm. to be forced to kind of consider some of these questions. And I think it's like most technology processes are about kind of making and innovating at like incredible speed. So we know like move fast and break things is a tenet. And so this idea is kind of like move a little bit more slowly and consider what you're doing (laughs) more carefully. And I think it's just part of an understanding that these are the kinds of things you ask yourself just to avoid risk and to be better decision makers. I think something that's interesting about most people that I know who work in technology is they have like really, really good intentions. Like they want to do good in the world. They actually feel like they're changing the world. And so it almost feels like they're hurt when things go wrong. So what I found is clients have really welcomed them. Some of our clients have asked for more and more decks to distribute within their organizations and they're using it themselves to help drive the design process, to drive the strategy process. And they're kind of finding really creative ways of using it themselves. I have to be totally honest, I haven't been using them a lot myself with clients. Our clients have just been using them. So it's really interesting. Yeah, I guess they're just prompts. (laughs) So (laughs) they're pretty accessible and they just find ways of kind of inserting it into their workshops and things like that. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you have found or that clients have found surprising as a result? I think when we were developing these, they felt really simple to us. Like it's just a series of prompts, not to say they're not well considered and well thought through the prompts themselves. And in order to synthesize them to what they are took months. And the team I was working with, like they did a lot of iteration on this to get the right ones going and a lot of validation with each other and our organization. So they're really well considered. And in fact, some of these were used in other ways in client work before they became tarot card prompts. So I think what's interesting is just the reaction to having all of these questions in one place and kind of a diverse set of provocations. I think people, I guess I'm just a little bit surprised actually, maybe not clients. (laughs) I'm a little bit surprised at the response that we've gotten to them just because these are things that in our practice we've been thinking about for a couple of years, but it felt like with everything that's kind of swirling in the news right now that people are really craving a way to to basically answer to the types of questions that these contain. Yeah. And you mentioned something about using this in product strategy and business strategy. Have you seen interest coming from those segments, business and product management? Yeah. I work with some clients that don't actually design digital products that have been using them for just thinking about human-centered design, so service design and what have you. They've been using it for service design strategy and for designing interventions. So like some nonprofits I work with, they 
have been using it to kind of think about intervention design and making sure that they ask themselves questions about scale and what Mm. have you. Wow, that's great. Are there any others that you particularly wanted to talk about? Let me see. So, yeah, I really like this one. It's called The Siren. And the prompt here, and this is around usage, is what would using your product too much look like? (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> and I think we probably all can think immediately of some products <laughs> that all of us use too much. It's not, unfortunately, my toothbrush. Right. Because <laughs> no. that, that would be funny. That, wouldn't that be a funny prompt for the Clarison or the Sonic? The Sonicare. Yeah. yeah. I know anybody who uses <laughs> Sonicare too much. Maybe my five-year-old well, they- when she's obsessed with it, but whatever. <laughs> Yeah, I think this is kind of a key problem. Like, this is a key UX problem because I think we've gotten so good, especially with technology products like our smartphones and all of the digital user experiences that it contains and have borrowed so many cues from behavioral economics in terms of like how to get people to keep using these products for longer like spending more time using them and frankly becoming kind of addicted to the experiences. And for a long time, we were thinking that that's a good thing. Like Nirael wrote a book several years ago. It must've been in like 2011 called Hooked, like Mm -hmm. how to get people to use your products. And all of these technologists who design things like Instagram are all super familiar with BJ Fogg's behavioral model that makes it clear that you have to do things like randomize the experience a little. The like button was born out of this kind of like the idea of a dopamine hit. Mm -hmm. They really borrow from things like slot machines and things that are truly designed for addiction to make these products like fun and easy to use. And now we're kind of seeing that maybe they're too fun and easy to use. And so I think it's a worthwhile thing to ask ourselves as we've all done our job too well in UX is would using your product too much look like? And how does your product encourage users to engage on one hand? And how does it make it easy to disconnect? So I think especially as we're designing digital products, we have to be really mindful of not just what our users want, but maybe what they need collectively as well. When folks are using these cards, are they using the whole deck or like when I've used other sites, sorts of, you know, card prompts, the facilitator is actually kind of maybe picking out a few and using those with their team How do you recommend that folks are using these? Yeah, so I think it depends on your needs. So if you're doing something like product strategy, it's possible you would use the whole deck. I think there are some things that are pretty specific. So like I mentioned earlier, we had an industrial design team that were working on a hardware project and they had used the Mother Nature card about if the environment were your client. I probably wouldn't use that in any of my UX projects, for example, because there isn't like an environmental sustainability component. So I would probably leave that card out. So I think it just depends on 
what you're doing and what your needs are. So you might want to create a subset. For example, if you're in the process of creating design principles, you might only need a subset of the cards to get to the prompts that you want to in order to just create principles for designing your product. If you're in the feature design phase, it might be a different set of cards that you might need, or it might be just like a subset of the 12 cards. So you were talking about how someone in UX might use just a subset of the cards, but like kind of how does that actually work? Yeah. So for example, we were talking earlier about the siren card, like what would your product using your product too much look like? And, you know, how does your product respect people's boundaries and the other parts of their lives? In what situation might it be inappropriate or distracting to use your product? That might actually be some of those prompts might be really good, for example, in the feature design process so that you can actually translate some of the answers to those prompts into design features. They can also be used to create design principles. I think it just depends on what's priority for your product and like the things that you want to address. So because on the website we have these in different categories, like the deck of cards themselves, there's 12 of them, but we have the three categories. You might, if you wanted to focus on usage, you might use those four cards. Mm -hmm. If you were specifically worried about scale, like suddenly you have a lot more users that you anticipated, maybe from different places or more diverse sets of users than you anticipated, you might want to think about how your product is scaling. So so you focus, you can use those categories to help you focus on which cards to use. Yeah, totally. And then, so you could use maybe even like look through the deck and say, you know, these are a couple of issues that I think that our team needs to really kind of think about and then kind of bring that to your team as part of in like in a workshop right or yeah so we know for example that there are platforms let's just take reddit as a platform and we have this card called the big bad wolf and the question is what could a bad actor do with your product and what that helps you and your team do is just consider like what are the worst things that somebody can do with your product but it's a little bit more targeted like than that if you use the sub prompt. So one of them is what would predatory and exploitative behavior look like with your product? What product features are most vulnerable to manipulation and who could be targeted with mm-hmm. your product? Mm-hmm. So those are questions that, for example, if your platform is having problems with toxicity online or toxic discourse, it could be that these help your team consider what should we prioritize in order to, let's say, model good behavior on our platform. Now, I do want to ask one thing. A lot of this has felt is very consumer focused. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of or can you imagine these being used in more of an enterprise way? Yeah, definitely. So one of our categories is around equity and access, for example. And so if you are, let's say, designing healthcare software, these are things that you need to think about, especially for use in environments where people might not be able, like you might have a diversity of people who have different needs in a workforce, for example. And so you have to consider like, what does that mean for Yeah, serving that kind of diversity of use. Mm, Okay, so like this one, the service dog, if your product was entirely dedicated to empowering the lives 
of an underserved population, what kind of impact could you make? And that's interesting because like in thinking about this from an enterprise kind of lens, you, it might help you, the underserved population could be within a business. Sure. For sure. Yeah. Even if you're B2B and just sort of thinking about, is it okay that we're only focused on like the one, the persona that is most prevalent? Yeah. That's a really good point. Like, for example, I've worked a bit on education software in the past and I find that sometimes the software is designed for administrators rather than the teachers and students who are going to be using them. And so you can think about them as when you think about an educational environment, you probably as a designer think about those people, the students and teachers as your primary users. But in reality, because of the business model of these of private companies that develop educational software, it's Oftentimes their priority are the buyers rather than the people who are actually using it. So this kind of question, even though the population is greater of like teachers who are going to be using this, they're technically underserved when it comes to who is actually meant to appeal to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, what kind of impact could you make? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. Okay. So if people are interested in learning more, where should they go? So I would probably suggest doing a search just for artifact group and tarot cards of tech, and it should direct you to someplace on our website. (laughs) Okay. So they're available on the artifactgroup.com website. Right. And we'll have the direct link in the show notes and hopefully that'll make it easier. But you also mentioned that there's some other sort of resources like how to use them and you can get the PDF. Yeah, so a few weeks ago, I did a webinar that kind of explained how might you might use them in practice. I did it with Jeff Turkelson, who's the design researcher who mainly wrote most of the prompts that are on here. And it's about an hour. So if you're thinking about using it in workshop, it might be a good resource. You can also download a PDF of the cards from our Tarot Cards of Tech website. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they won't have the fancy gold foil edges. <laughs> and you can also buy a physical deck, so <laughs> which has the yeah the gold foil edges. <laughs> Although, they are very nice. Somebody, I think it was a designer in Germany, downloaded the PDF and actually glued the backs and fronts together and made a deck of cards. Oh, awesome. So it was kind of cool to see that. We were pretty impressed with Yeah, that. that's great. Oh, yeah. And you mentioned you would like to know, you guys would like to get stories of people using the cards, right. right? Yeah. So if you are using the tarot cards and you have either stories or photos or what have you, evidence of you using the cards in practice. Yeah, some visual yeah, <laughs> artifacts. Lo- <laughs> artifacts, yes. We'd love to hear about it. Connect to us on Twitter. So my Twitter handle is at Cheryl Kababa and artifacts. S-H- yes, S-H-E-R-Y-L-C-A-B-A-B-A and then Artifact Group also has a Twitter account and that's just at Artifact Group. At Artifact Group with an E and not an I. Right. That's right. The British spelling. (laughs) 
Because the <laughs> co-founders are Australian and British. Yep. That's in the right. U.S., but, you know, yes. whatever. <laughs> We're all from somewhere. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you so much, Cheryl. This has been really fun. Yeah, thank you too. I'm really looking forward to trying these cars with my own team at Spruce Up. At startups, we spend a lot of time preparing for scale, but we're really focused on the positive outcomes of that. And this is a really interesting way to reframe. Check out the cards and let us know how you would use them. And if you do try them out, be sure to take a picture of how you're using it and send it to us so we can include it in our newsletter. You can connect with UX Cake on Twitter. Facebook, and Instagram, or on our site at uxcake.co. As always, thanks for sharing a slice of UX cake with me today. And if you enjoyed it, be sure to share it with your friends and colleagues because they need some cake too. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a bite. <laughs>